You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. From Shakespeare to Schwartz, from Fosse to Alvin Ailey, from Sondheim to Borellis, from McNally to Fay, it happened to the greats, it still happens every day. When lightning strikes, it's the moment you know. When lightning strikes, where you're meant to go, you can stand and shout Eureka, do whatever you like. You'll never forget the moment when lightning strikes. Hi, this is Gerald Brunner, and you're listening to When Lightning Strikes, where we talk about the tingly, mic drop moments that led you to becoming an artist. For nearly two decades, Ray Mercer has been a cast member of The Lion King on Broadway, one of the longest-running male dancers in Broadway history. Mercer is also the show's fight captain, This past November, The Lion King celebrated its 25th anniversary. So welcome, Ray. It's such a pleasure to have you here on the show. Oh, thank you, Gerald. What? Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. And what an epic couple of months it's been, right, for The Lion King celebrating its 25th anniversary. Yeah, you caught us at a really good time, Gerald. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're in the thick of it, you know, celebrating the 25th anniversary of Lion King being on Broadway. Um, I'm also ce- celebrating my 20th year being a part of the show. So it's it's really it's really a special time. I'm aching to know about your lightning strikes moments when you knew you had to be mm-hmm. an artist, when you knew this was your path. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a very good question. I um it 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 still resonates to this day. I, um, I was destined to be a gymnast. I was, you know, I was a competitive gymnast in high school and my career aspiration was to be, to go to the Olympics. So I was training to go to the Olympics and I, um, just by happenstance, um, took a ballet class. A friend of mine had, um, said, why don't you come take a ballet class? I think you'd be great. You know, you're flexible, you're strong. He said, why don't you go take a ballet class? And I was living in Omaha, Nebraska at the time. And she, uh, my very first dance teacher was Mary Wall Taylor. She had a very small studio. And I walked into the studio with a bunch of nine-year-olds and, and tutus. And here I was, this big grown man taking a ballet class. And, and I fell in love with it. And she told me that if I continued if I was serious about it that she would allow me to take classes for free so that's how my dance training began in a very small ballet studio in Omaha Nebraska were you an adult uh-huh. at that point and where where were you in, yeah, in your life I, I, yeah. yeah yeah I was a senior in high school I was 17 you, you know I was 17 years old when I was introduced to dance you know I was kind of introduced very late comparatively to some dancers who've been dancing since they were three, four, five years old. So I felt like, I think that helped too, because I felt like I had a whole lot of catching up to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was very serious about my training when I, when I first started. Is it hard to put into words what it was? What was it that made you fall in love with this beautiful art form with dance? What was it about that class? You know what? It was... A, you know, I don't I don't know if it was the teacher, how she inspired me, you know, her method of teaching. But, you know, as I got, you know, as I 
further my training, I knew that it was a way to, you know, I always enjoyed the physicality of dance, you know, the, the jumps and the turns and all of those things were very intriguing to me because I was a, a gymnast. Yeah. But I think that lightning moment happened when there's a whole nother side of dance that is the artistic side, you know, that side where you can be, you know, you can express your artistic, um, you know, artistic side of dance, you know, stretching your imagination and, and figuring out how, you know, how dance is connected to humanity, you know, how we, you know, is very, that old saying of um, it, art imitates life. You know, it was that moment where I realized, wow, it's just not the physical. It's those two things, two things that I enjoy very much. And to have those combined into one art form was, I just knew that that would, it would be my career choice forever. That's extraordinary. At that point, how long had you, you been a gymnast? Um, For years and years and years? Year, yeah. I started young. You know, I started my gymnastics career when I was like five. Oh, you know, it started so you you know, with that. me. Tumble, tumbling in the in the, the backyard and, and flipping off garages and, and cars and things like that. My parents said, we need to get you in a class before you kill yourself. So I, um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I started very young as a gymnast and then I trained all the way up until I was, like I said, like a senior in high school. So how did you go from being this wonderful class to becoming a professional dancer? You know, I um, I was finishing up my, um, you know, I was almost a senior in high school. So I, I finished up there in Omaha and I had a, a strong introduction to dance. She, you know, she she gave me the basics, but I knew that I, I would it would require more training. So I, I eventually I spent a year. I went to the University of Nebraska for about a year and then I transferred to New Orleans. And I minored in dance down there. I graduated from University of New Orleans and I minored in dance down there. There were also some wonderful studios where I was able to get training there. Um, eventually, I, I trained in Chicago. I trained in Detroit and in New York. So um, I, I had a vast amount of training where I end up eventually ending up um, in Chicago where I danced with a, a company and, and eventually auditioned for Lion King. So can you bring me to when you got word that you were cast in the Lion King? You did the tour first, oh, okay. right? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So listen, I, um, I, right upon graduating from college, I had to find a job. I had to pay for my way through college. So I had to find a job. And the very first job I ever interviewed for um professionally, I guess you would call it, was uh, to be a flight attendant. And I strategically did that because I wanted to be able to travel to auditions. I wanted to be able to travel if I wanted to take class. I could take class anywhere around the, the country. So I interviewed for a flight attendant. I was hired. So I was able to travel everywhere. And I eventually ended up, I was based in Chicago at the time. And like I said, I was dancing with a company and auditions were coming to Chicago and everybody in the city knew about them. It was like a dream job for me, an absolute dream job for me. It had been running probably about four or five years at the time and it was the biggest hit and everybody was talking about it. So it was, it was a huge audition. Every dancer in Chicago was there at that audition. And 
I remember auditioning and there were probably about a hundred men in the, in the room. And I, later on during the day, you realize you look up and there's only maybe 20 of us. And then it felt like, oh, wow, this is a possibility. This is a strong possibility. And then when, and then when it starts to dwindle down like that, Gerald, you, that, that's when you really want it because it's, it's right in your hands. So um, at the end of the audition, it probably was about five of us left. And I remember the, the guy that was doing the audition asked if anybody in the room could tumble. And that was my key. I knew that you know, my gymnastic training would come full circle. So um, I was able to tumble. And um, by the end of the audition, there were probably about 100, maybe 120 guys that auditioned. And they only hired two of us. And I was one of the two. Oh my God. Now, did you, yeah. when did you find out? Did you find out in the room that you were hired or can you bring me to that call no. or the email or, or? No. Oh God. It's the, it's the worst. It's the worst, Gerald, oh. because they, they made us wait. I think we auditioned late summer. It was probably late summer, early fall. And we didn't find out until they didn't call us until like November. So I, I decided in my mind that I would just let it go. And I was, like I said, I was a flight attendant at the time and I just finished a flight and I was on my way to a, to a rehearsal and I checked my messages and it was from Lion King. And it, that phone call, I remember exactly where I was. I remember I had to park the car in the McDonald's parking lot to gather myself. And that call single-handedly changed my trajectory forever. It changed my life forever. Can you talk about getting that call? What went through your mind? You'll bring me to that McDonald's parking lot. <laughs> yeah, I well, I can think about it now. It almost brings oh. tears to my eyes right now to even think about it. I I was driving in the car and I saw that I had a message. One was from, oh, see, I'm getting choked oh, up. One was for my mother and, and one was from my mother and one was from, you know, Bender Casting. And I remember I said, well, I, I wanted to check the message from my mother. So I... I pulled over in the McDonald's parking lot. It was the nearest parking lot before I was on my way to rehearsal. And I um, checked my mother's rehearsal. She, I mean, my mother's message. And she was just saying how much, you know, you know, hi, just checking. I know you just got off a trip, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, um, check the next uh, message. I wasn't going to check it, but then I decided, okay, let me check it. Cause I was running late for rehearsal. Check the, uh, the message. And they said, Ray Mercer. Um, hi, this is Sarah Profta. What's her name? And, that was 20. I still remember that phone call. She said, this is Sarah Profta from um, Bender Casting, and I have some great news for you. We would like to, for you to join the cast of The Lion King. And it, hearing that, it just, it, it changed my life forever. It really did. It, it changed my life forever. And I always remind young people, or, you know, even people who, um, just young people, remember what that felt like to get that call. Remember that. You know, if you ever need encouragement or a little inspiration, remember what it feels like to get that phone call saying that you are now a part of something huge. I love that story. And here, and then you toured, right? And then can you bring me to yeah. when you got to Broadway? You joined the, the Broadway cast. Yes, I, um, I have been on tour. I love being on tour. It was great. We went to some fantastic cities. We sat in Chicago for about a year. And then um, we sat in, in San Francisco for a very long time, too. And 
there was rumor that one of the guys that was doing the track that I was doing on, on tour was leaving the show. And I immediately sent an email and I, you know, I was still young in the show. I only been there for about a year, year and a half. I was still young in the show. So I, um, sent an email to the resident choreographer and I, associate choreographer. And I told her that I was interested and Probably about a week later, they contacted me and asked me if I wanted to come to Broadway. One of those other moments, I remember exactly where I was. I, you know, it was it was life changing. Now, can you? So, was the track the giraffe that original track that you um, yeah were in? Yeah. So, people for people who yeah. don't not know, you are at the very top of the show. You are one of the giraffes that comes uh-huh. in and let beautiful majestic moment with the sun rising and can you talk about that what what that's like for you to be the giraffe 14 feet high right walking across the stage on stilts is it that my god yeah on stilts it um i i love that that word majestic and that's exactly what it feels like you know it's it's um it's one of my favorite of course it's one of my favorite puppets but um the fact that you're on these stilts and you're 14 feet in the air and you're hovering over every other character or animal on stage, you can see it all from up there. So I, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a fantastic thing. I love the puppet. You know, it, um, it, again, my gymnastic training came in handy because it's a maneuver, you know, trying to maneuver both strength and, and your core strength and balance, you know, to work the puppet. But, um, yeah, I, it's it's a great puppet. It um and it's like you said, it's one of the most iconic visuals in the show. When you when you see those two giraffes walking on stage and you have the the sun rising in the background, it's it's, it's very visually stunning. And what was it like? I mean, you most recently you were on Colbert and uh, you did uh-huh. the Thanksgiving Day parade. What was that like to take the giraffe uh-huh. outside? your regular milieu outside the theater and to la- have to navigate those spaces. I, you know, I, it, it's, it's so funny that, um, it, it was kind of strange taking my giraffe outside of his home. Yeah, you're right. Um, but it was, it was the Colbert show was, it was a tight space, but, uh, the, the associate choreographer did a fantastic job of making it visually you know, it just the way it was choreographed and staged, it was really it was visually stunning. Um, so, it, you know, it was just kind of maneuvering the, it within the tight space and, and getting it. It felt the same, but it was just trying to maneuver the choreography within the tight space. Uh, the, the Thanksgiving Day Parade we just did recently last Thursday. And it, it was nice. It was just cold. It was cold. Mm-hmm. I know the other dancers were freezing, but I had my big big giraffe suit on. So it wasn't, wasn't so bad. We had a good time. It was one of my bucket lists oh, to do the Thanksgiving day parade. So great. And I got to do it in a giraffe. <laughs> yeah. I saw that the head was moving. Your head was moving, right? Bobbing yeah. And yeah. Unbelievable. Uh-huh. It's all, what's the joy? It's all in the choreography. It's incredible. What is, and then you, as a member of the dance of the, dance ensemble you're a braid, blade of grass right you're are you a hyena yeah, yeah so yeah. uh-huh it's, it's so crazy um um i have like 
between 13 and 15 different costume changes in the show. So I, I'm a busy man. I'm a busy little dancer. So um, I get to be, yeah, I get to be a grass. I get to be a hyena. I get to be a giraffe. I get to be a person for a little bit, you know? So I, I get to be a trickster. I get to be, you know, those are all those costume changes. It's about, it's probably close to 13 costume changes. And yeah, it keeps me busy. <laughs> What, are there some moments or milestones that you could look at with your time at The Lion King where you thought, I can't believe I got to do that. Like, I saw this, the anniversary, I can't believe the 20th, and there you were all on stage mm -hmm. singing with Elton John and how special that was. Yeah. Were there some really special, special moments for, for you that you can point to? Yeah, there's so... Yeah, there's so many, you know, just just piggyback on what you said. I, I just to think after five years to be part of a Broadway show for five years was is unheard of. And then then you look up, then it's 10 years and then 15 years, then 20 and then 25 years where a Broadway show has thrived for 25 years. And not only thrived, but one of the biggest running Broadway shows in Broadway history Um that that was a milestone for me. I um recently I found out that I am one of the longest running male dancers in Broadway history. That was a milestone for me. Um, those you know, it's things like that where I've been able to have a dual career where I've, I've been able yes. to perform and be a choreographer. Most most Wonderful. most performers aren't able to do that. Where I've I've been blessed to have a dual career. That's been a huge milestone for me. Um, celebrities have come. You know, I, Michael Jackson came one time. That was a milestone for me. He came and, and saw the show and spoke to the cast. So, you know, there's little tiny little milestones, but the biggest ones are those, those kind of iconic timeline achievements that, that happen where you look up and you've been there for 20 years and you look up and you're, you're one of the longest running male dancers in Broadway history. You know, me coming from Omaha, Nebraska, mm -hmm. that's, you know, it's, it's a big thing. That's extraordinary. And I love, I was really let you, that you have, as you mentioned, you have this whole dual career as a choreographer and that you choreograph back in your hometown of Omaha. And I'll, yes. can you uh -huh. talk about what that gives you and why that's important for you to also be a choreographer and express yourself that way? Yeah, I, um, I knew eventually that I, I knew that I wanted to be a dance maker. I knew that I wanted to create dance and I wanted to be a choreographer. And I always, my biggest fear that I would have to sacrifice one for the other. Mm -hmm. And and fortunately, I hadn't had to do that. Lion King has been very kind. Let me take time off to do certain projects. I've, I've choreographed musicals. Uh, I've been the resident choreographer for the Ailey School. Um, I was an adjunct professor at Howard University for two years. I would fly down. I mean, I would take a train down on Mondays to teach um, choreography there. Um, I've had my works um, archived at the Smithsonian. Um, I've, I've worked very closely with Broadway Cares and, and I have one more Broadway presentations for Broadway Cares than Broadway history. So it's those things that I look up and I say, wow, 
with all the sacrifices that I have to make, I am extremely, extremely blessed to be able to do them both. That's so wonderful. Do you have an aesthetic or when you have that kind of blank page or you ha- you're, you're given the commission, is there some, uh, something that you turn to to help you choreograph, you know, uh, um, something within that you know, helps guide uh-huh. you? Yeah, I love that question, Daryl. I love that question. I um, you know, when I um, when I'm choreographing musicals, you know, the the story is already there. So it's just a matter matter of me bringing you know the story to life through dance. So musicals are are, are different beasts, but the most sometimes the most rewarding are when I get commissions and you know I have full reign. You can create whatever you want, and I've always been attracted to things that are that touch us all you know, the humanistic side of art, you know, things that are tangible, you know, books that I've read, experiences that I had, conversations that I have with people, you know, those are the things that are usually the impetus of of my work. Yeah. What are some musicals that you've, uh, that you've choreographed? Ain't Misbehaving is Uh, one, right? Yeah. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. I did Ain't Misbehaving. I just recently uh, did rent over the summertime. I had a great time doing that at Act Theater Company. I also um, in Connecticut. I also choreographed just recently Jersey Boys in Aspen at um, Theater Aspen, and had a great time with that. The cast was wonderful. Producers were wonderful. Um, so those are the two recent ones. Um, Ain't misbehaving. I I'm scheduled to do Dream Girls soon, um, early fall. Phenomenal. Yeah. And I, I've been told yeah. from people that um, in The Lion King that it's almost like, I mean, it's almost a spiritual experience. Yeah, um, since so many people have been doing the show for many, many years. And, and that when you come with, at the very top of the show, when you come together for Circle of Life, it's like everything else doesn't mm-hmm. matter. That's, it's almost like, a spiritual moment that you're able, you come together to do the show and you know, almost nothing else matters. And that's how you, it's almost like you're not a warm, but it's like you're that start of something really magical, no matter how many times you do it. But how do you keep it fresh? How do you sustain it for so long? Is it because of that moment of circle of life or what do you do? Yeah. Yeah, it's so that's so beautifully put. Um, I um, it it's a very sacred place, you know. That sacred, and you can tell by the you know the actors and and crew. The entire company takes that that opening number is such a mind blowing spiritual. It it's 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 one of those things that you have to experience to to even wrap your brain around it. So I take it very seriously. It's, it's one of my favorite parts of the show. And, you know, to see that, you know, a lot of people, I remember, I still do remember seeing people in the audience, grown men crying, you know, and to have one piece of art affect so, so many people in such a visceral way. It's, you know, it's nothing but sacred. You just have to treat it that way. It's one of the, most iconic opening numbers in Broadway history. So um, we take it very seriously. And um, and back to your question, I think that it's because of that, you know, because of the people 
you know, so many, there are so many people who have not seen the show. They're seeing it for their very first time. And it's my responsibility as an entertainer to do the best I can and give them a, be- a great show. Um, and the cast, too. I have a wonderful cast that I work with, and we have so much fun. Sometimes the, uh, the backstage antics are, 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 are more fun than the things you're doing on stage sometimes, but we have a good time. Oh, that's wonderful. Is there something you wish you could tell that that Ray, who was in the McDonald's parking lot or at or going to that first ballet class, is there something knowing all you know now and all the experiences you've had in your life? Is there something you wish you could say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would tell that little boy, I would tell him to be patient. You know, I think that, you know, it and trust your trust your instincts and trust your talent. You know, I knew that, you know, I knew that I had a certain amount of talent. You know, I knew that for, I knew that there was something special about me and being able to, I would tell him to hone in on that and trust that and rely on that. And, and I also tell young artists that your worth ethic is the key is there's no special magic post and no jiggly poof that's going to happen and all of a sudden you're going to be this phenomenal artist. It, it requires work. And I still continue to this day. I continue to work very hard at what I do because I, I, I take it very seriously. Well, Ray, I'm so grateful to have you on the show. It's been a true delight to talk to you. Thank you so much. You know, I had so much fun. So much fun. It was great talking to Here's you. Just many, many, many yeah. more years. Dance oh, thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. I had a great time. We'll take good care. Mm-hmm. The theme song was written by Tom McGovern. This episode was edited by Kyle Moore. This episode was produced by Anna Stroud. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.